Wow. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning together, what happened in that moment. I want to say welcome to Easter at Southwinds and just tell you, you have come to a great place to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are a church family that believes that Jesus changes lives, that he still does that today. And so I just want to say thank you for worshiping here, especially if this is your very first time with us. We're so glad that you've come. I want to invite everybody to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. In a few moments, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And as you're getting there, I want to jump in with a question. And the question is this, when was the last time something rocked your world? See, all of us have been there at some point or another. Something rocks our world, shakes everything up. Maybe you've experienced a near-death event like you were in a car accident where you could have died. Maybe you sat in a doctor's office one day and you heard those words. You have cancer and it rocked your world. Maybe during the recession of a few years ago, you were like many of us and you lost your job or maybe you even lost your home. Maybe it was someone, not something, that rocked your world. As a child one day, you, you came home and you saw your dad packing his things and you watched him drive away. Your, your parents divorced. Or maybe you yourself have heard those earth-shaking words, I don't love you, I want a divorce. And it rocks your world. Sometimes this happens to an entire nation. I remember exactly where I was on September 11, 2001. I was eating breakfast in a hotel in Springfield, Illinois. I was attending a pastor's meeting there, and on the screens began to appear these images that really just didn't make any sense at first. I'll never forget it. You probably remember exactly where you were when you first saw the footage of the World Trade Centers on fire and then, and then in collapsing. 9-11 rocked our entire nation. Now, sometimes... A rock your world experience is a good thing. It's exciting. Every parent who's ever held a son or a daughter for the very first time, you know, you realize my life is never going to be the same again, right? This happened to Dana and to me on June 10th, 1988 at 5.28 a.m. in the morning, Fort Worth, Texas Hospital, our son Jared entered the world, and he came 13 minutes after we got to the hospital. That rocked our world. And then two years later, our world was rocked again. I was now the pastor of a church in the Chicago suburbs. It was August 28, 1990. We had moved there a few months earlier, and on that day, an F5 tornado tore through our community, 300-mile-an-hour winds destroying everything. We were in our family room, me, uh, two-year-old Jared, Dana was there, seven months pregnant with our, our second child, Abby, and we were watching this incredibly violent thunderstorm. When hail about the size of golf bars started falling, we, we decided it might be a good time to head to the basement, and as we started to go there, right behind us, something slammed into a wall, collapsed the entire wall of the room we were in. And all of a sudden, debris and rain and hail are flying in everywhere as we're laying on the ground wondering what is going on. Now, God was real gracious to us. We got out of that with just some cuts and bruises. 
about a few hundred yards away from us, where we lived, uh, several people died. See, that tornado rocked our world. But you know, nothing rocks the world like an earthquake. In the last few years, earthquakes have destroyed millions of lives. Maybe you remember April 2015 when 8,000 people were killed after a 7.8 magnitude quake hit the nation of Nepal. The United Nations estimated that 8 million people's lives were impacted by that one. Maybe you remember the 9.0 quake that struck Japan in 2011. It, it triggered a 90-foot-high tsunami. Entire cities washed away. 16,000 people died. And who could forget the January 2010 earthquake in Haiti where 316,000 people were killed and a one and a half million were left homeless, some of those people still without homes to this day. Now, we're, we're Californians, and so we all know what it feels like when the world is literally rocking. But I just want to ask you, what has happened in your life that's shaken you? What's happened that's caused you maybe to step back and reevaluate your life, who you are and where you're headed, what, what you're doing actually with your life? Whatever it's been, there is no one here who's had an experience that compares to what happened at about 6 a.m. on an April morning, the year 33 A.D. Matthew actually opens the final chapter of his gospel, chapter 28, in this way. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And so Matthew tells us it's Sunday morning. There's two women, two Marys. They're making their way uh, through the dark, quiet streets of Jerusalem. They're heading to the city outskirts, heading to this hillside grave that Jesus' body was placed in on Friday evening. And these are people whose world had been rocked. When Jesus was crucified, it changed everything for them. He was, he was their teacher. He was their friend. More than that, he was their master. And as they are making their way to this tomb to finish burial preparations, they are going to kind of close the door on the life of this man that they called Lord. They thought he was Messiah. And they weren't the only ones. Thousands of people across Palestine wondered the same thing as they had witnessed Jesus perform miracle after miracle, as he had taught with amazing authorities. He just loved everyone that he met. But the religious leaders only saw Jesus as a threat to their power. And so by killing him, they were figuring they could kill his whole movement. They crucified him like a common criminal. They had his body put into this tomb. An enormous stone was rolled over the tomb. And then on top of that, to make sure that the disciples wouldn't come and take the body and claim that he had somehow been raised from the dead, they asked the Romans to put a seal over the tomb and install a set of guards there to guard the tomb. And so a patrol of Roman soldiers would have been placed there. It would have probably been four groups of four soldiers each and they would be rotating through the night to make sure that they were staying awake. And you just need to know, this was not like, you know, Paul Blart, mall cop, or anything like that, working the night shift. These were elite soldiers, trained soldiers, soldiers whose orders were to make sure that Jesus' body stayed put under fear of their very lives. So what happens on Easter Sunday morning literally rocks their world, too. 
Let's pick it up in verse 2. Matthew writes, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now, let me just ask you, when you think about the Easter story, what is the picture that comes into your mind? I think most of us, we kind of envision this very peaceful scene. You know, the sun is just starting to rise. There's dew on the morning grass. The birds are singing. You can smell the Easter flowers, right? You know, there's angels peeking out from behind a rock. That's how we think of Easter, right? It's just kind of this beautiful scene of intrigue and, you know, surprise. But that's not what Matthew depicts for us here. Did you notice? Matthew paints a very different picture. Matthew says that Easter begins, and he says it begins with a seismos. That, that's the Greek word that he uses for earthquake. The earth began to rattle. Tremors began to spread throughout Jerusalem, and they became so intense, so loud. Everybody knew something was happening. And while the earth was shaking, an angel shows up rolls back the stone and opens the tomb. And notice he doesn't do that so Jesus' body can get out. Jesus' body's already gone. He opens the tomb up so that people can look in. Can you imagine that? I mean, it must have been unbelievable. You may not know this, but at Southwinds, we actually own some AEDs, and I told our teams to be ready to use them in case we needed them after we played that clip. But, uh, I mean, just try to put yourself in the place of those soldiers. You know, it's night, it's dark, it's quiet. You're just standing guard at the tomb, and suddenly everything literally falls apart. Matthew says that those guards, they had a seismos of their own. He uses a different form of the the same Greek word to tell us that they shook and they became like dead men. Literally, Easter Sunday rocked their world. Do you know? Do you know that God wants Easter to rock your world? But He wants to do it for a completely different reason. Let me explain. The reason that Easter earthquake rocks our world is this, and you can write this down the resurrection relieves the tension between us and God. Easter relieves the tension between us and God. You say, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? How? Well, let's talk for a moment about the science of earthquakes. Maybe you remember some of this from Geology 101. The Earth's crust is made up of something called tectonic plates, and there are about 12 of them, and they are essentially these enormous rock masses that float on something called magma. I love that word, magma. Sounds kind of cool, but it's not cool. 
And these plates are actually as big as they are constantly in motion. And over time, the plates are coming together. And as they do, they exert this enormous force against each other. Sometimes they push, and when they push, eventually one of them will ride over the top of another and shove it down. Sometimes they're pulling apart, but whatever's happening between them at that point, that line where they meet is called a fault line. And so these tectonic plates, they they press against each other, and there's such intense power. Eventually, something has to give, and they break loose, and they move, and the resulting energy from those shifting plates we call an earthquake. That's what we feel. Now, the spiritual analogy for us today in this is, is pretty amazing. You and I are born into this world pushing against God, pulling away from God. We defy him. We rebel against him. We, we try to live our lives doing our own thing, going in opposite directions from what God says. And the Bible tells us the fault line that causes the tension between us and God is sin. Sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what causes the brokenness in this world. We are at odds with God, and there's a tension between us and Him. We are all in this together. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the Bible's witness. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. It's true of you, even if you're a really nice guy. Colossians 1.21 says that once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, we are all sinners. But get this, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, absorbed the penalty for our sin. We, we talked about this last week. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, the prophet writes about the Messiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peter, hundreds of years later, was to echo these words. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. See, the Bible tells us that we justly deserve punishment because of this rebellion, this pushing against, this pulling away, this living apart from God. But God himself absorbed the penalty for our sin through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus stood in our place. And what happened on Easter Sunday morning at the resurrection, at the earthquake, is that Jesus was raised by the Father to prove that he was indeed the Son of God, to demonstrate that indeed his death on the cross paid the penalty for sin. And in rising again, he showed us that new life, a new kind of life is possible if we are in relationship with him, trusting him as our Lord and Savior. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but God kind of paints this whole good news story throughout the pages of the Bible with earthquakes. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In in Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 19, maybe you remember the story. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the, the Ten Commandments. And we know today that they were passed first to Charlton Heston, and then Charlton Heston gave him a Moses 
Now, some of you are too young. Mommy, who's Charlton Heston? You don't know, but Exodus 19.18 says that when Moses received this law, it says Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. You fast forward in your Bible to Numbers chapter 16 and you you, you meet a man named Korah, and Korah's gathered a group of followers around him, and they are in rebellion against Moses, which we are told at bottom was a rebellion against God. These people said, we want to determine our destiny. We want to go our own direction. And you know what happens? Well, the Bible tells us there is a penalty that must be paid for such rebellion. In Numbers 16, 31 through 33, it says this. As soon as he finished saying all this, The ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished and were gone from the community. After the 8 o'clock service, someone came to me and said, Pastor Mike, do you know that this actually proves these verses right here that you can take it with you? I said, yeah, I guess it does if that's where you want to go. Um, and then, and then there, there's another earthquake that is recorded in the Bible. It's actually just a few verses in front of the passage we've been reading toward the end of Matthew 27. It's verse 51, and it takes place at the death of Jesus. As Jesus hangs on the cross at 3 in the afternoon, Matthew tells us that the sky goes dark. And he tells us this. When the sky goes dark, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. And then we see on Easter Sunday at Jesus' resurrection, there's one more earthquake. Do you see this tracing of the gospel story through the pages of Scripture? God shakes the earth by giving the law. God shakes the earth to punish those who rebel against him. And then once more, God shakes the earth by sending his son to die in the place of rebels. And then finally, he shakes the earth. He rocks our world by raising his son, Jesus, from the dead. And he lets us know in Jesus, new life is possible, is available. Do you see it? See, the Easter earthquake, it wasn't just designed to rattle a few buildings in Jerusalem that morning to shake up a few people's lives. The Easter earthquake is for you. It's for me. It's for us. God wants to rock all our worlds by relieving the tension between us and him, that tension that lies along the fault line of sin. And the only way that relief comes is when you and I place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior God relieves the tension when we trust Jesus to forgive our sins. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. He says, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, we were God's enemies because of our sin, but when we repent of our sin, when we trust in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross to save us. God reconciles us to himself. God grants us salvation. God gives us eternal life. It's amazing. Now, some of us today, some of us sitting in this room right now, 
we are still living with this friction in our lives. You're pushing against God or you're pulling away from God. You want to live your own life. You want to do it the way you want to do it. And I just want to say to you today, one day, if you don't stop, if you don't turn, one day that tension between you and God is going to result in a catastrophic disaster called death. And not just physical death, but an eternal death of separation from God, from the one who made you, from the one who sent his son to die for you, from the one who loves you more than you can know. Some of you today, God is working in your heart right now. You may have thought that you came here today to make somebody else happy. You know, some of you are here today just to please somebody in your family. Get them off your back for a while, right? But that's not why you're here. You're here because God wanted you here. You're here because God wanted you to hear the message of his son, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again from the dead so that you too could have new life. That's why you're here. In other words, God wants to rock your world. He wants to shake everything up. You say, well, how does that happen? What are you really talking about? How do, I, how do I deal with this tension between me and God? And I just want to tell you this morning, it's actually very simple. Anyone can understand it. Anyone can do it. But, but it's going to cost you everything you have. It's going to change everything about your life. It's going to rock your world. You'll never be the same again. I want to share with you uh, how this happens in a way that we like to share with our kids. It's really very simple, easy to remember. We call it the ABCs, and it goes like this. You come to know God, uh, A, when you admit. You, you admit, I am a sinner. In other words, you repent of your sin. You, you tell God in, in certain different words you could use, not exactly the same words, but you say something like, God, I know I've disobeyed you. I've done it in my actions, in my words, in my thoughts. I, I realize I've been living my life colliding against you, pushing, pulling uh, away from you. I've been living as your enemy, God, and I, I believe that what you say in your word, that I deserve punishment for my sins, I believe that's true, and so I want to repent. I want to turn from my sin. That's A. B is believe. Believe that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for my sin, was raised alive to demonstrate his victory over sin and death. You see, if you want God truly to rock your world, then you must abandon all other attempts to save yourself because you cannot do it. And so you just give up trying. You must believe that Jesus' death on the cross and his death alone paid the penalty for your sins. That as the Bible says, Jesus took your punishment so you could be forgiven. As we talked about last week, Jesus was treated as you deserve so that you could be treated the way Jesus deserves. He stands in our place. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. Do you, do you believe that Jesus lives today? As the Bible tells us that his, his victory over death demonstrates his victory over sin. That his life today means that we can have our sins forgiven. We can know new life now, now today, and then forevermore, even after this life in this world ends. That happens if you believe, if you trust. And then C, C is confess. Confess my trust in Jesus publicly declaring, I have given my life to him. In other words, this isn't a private thing. Knowing God is extremely 
personal. It is so deeply intimate, but it is never private. It is never private. God calls all his followers to publicly declare their submission and their obedience to his sons. And that begins by you telling someone. You just tell someone that you know. It also includes always that you obey God by receiving baptism as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have a baptism in two weeks. And some of you who are trusting Christ today, you need to take that step. We're going to offer that for you. Now, maybe you're here and you know as you've heard these things, you, you may have even come in this morning ready to take this step. I just want to encourage you. You can pray. You can even pray right now as I'm talking. God can hear you. And if you trust Christ, you need to tell the friend who brought you. Maybe you can write it down on the Connect card so you'll get word to us. You can tell me or one of our other pastors after the service. We'd be so happy to hear that. But if you will pray, if you will trust God, I am telling you on the promise of God's word, God will forgive you. And and this tension between you and God will be gone. This chasm that has separated you from from God, Jesus Christ bridges that by his death and by his life. Will you pray today? Can you ask him to come into your heart today? Can you place your trust in him today? You, you can take that step before you leave this place. And if you do, you can know that God will respond. You can know that God will save you. He will remove the tension that has existed between you and him. Now, I'm pretty confident there may be some of us that are here right now and you're just not convinced yet. Maybe you have some questions and you want those questions answered. You know, over the last few years at Easter, I've actually sought to address many of those questions in messages. And I, I want to tell you today, if this is where you are, I would be so happy to talk to you in person if you just let me know. Our pastors would, many of our people here would be happy to talk with you. If you are actually willing to dig in and do some some mental work, do some reading, I want to give you some book recommendations up here on the screen. Uh, Several books that actually range from very brief and simple to extremely complex and detailed. That last book on that list is over 800 pages of very dense and thoughtful material. And we're going to put them up on our Facebook page if you want to check that later. But I, I just want to say I hope if you have questions that aren't answered yet that you will not... Uh, Let another Easter pass before you dig in and you do the work to get answers to the questions that you want to ask. Easter can change your life just as it's changed so many lives all around you. See, the Bible tells us resurrection changes our past, but it also changes our present, our life today, and it also changes our future. I want to take a few minutes before we, we, we close to tell you about some aftershocks of Easter. You know, aftershocks always follow earthquakes, and this is also true spiritually. When God removes that tension between you and him, you always experience some real benefits, and I'm going to share three. Here's the first one. Uh, When you experience the Easter earthquake, you get to know the earth mover, the earth mover. In John 17, 3, Jesus is praying, and he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you something that I know about you. You have been looking for something for a very long time, like your whole life. 
and you're not exactly sure what it is. You, you, you've thought at times you found it, but then it turns out that's not what you were looking for. And then again, you, you thought you'd found it, but that wasn't what you were looking for. It always is just beyond your reach. Can I tell you today what it is you are looking for? You've been looking for God. You've been looking for God. That's what you want. You, you want to know God, and it is the only place where real life, where eternal life is. As Jesus says, life is to know the one true God, the only God, and his son, Jesus Christ. And Easter tells you you can know him. You can get to know the earth mover. And it's such an amazing thing. The Bible tells us that the God who can shake the earth, who splits the mountains, the God, I mean, he just created the whole universe. That God wants to know you. He wants to know you. Maybe you can think about it this way. The largest earthquake that was ever recorded rocked the nation of Chile in 1960. It was 9.5 on the Richter scale. You say, oh, what does that mean? Well, think of it like this. You just gather together 32 billion tons of TNT, put them out in your garage, and they get a, a fuse and light the fuse and run. Because when it goes off, you don't want to be there, okay? That's what that earthquake was like. But it's kind of interesting. If you think about it from God's perspective, that's like popping bubble wrap. No big deal. See, what I'm telling you is the God who created the universe by the word of his power, he just spoke and stars and galaxies showed up. That God, the God who moves mountains, who shakes the earth, that God is the God we worship, and that is the God who wants to know me. That God wants to know you. He wants to enter your life. He wants to communicate with you, listen to you, have you communicate with him. He, he wants to do life with you. And we even see an indication of this in the verses we read a few moments ago. Did you notice in verse 7 of Matthew 28 that the angel says this? He says, this Jesus who was raised from the grave... Go back to Galilee. You will meet him there. Jesus told his followers that he was going to be there waiting for them because he wanted to meet with them. He wanted to talk with them. And, and, and we can know that that is the overflow aftershock of having this tension removed between us and God. We really get to know the one who made us. He enters our lives. Again, I'm just talking to some of you here. I know I am. You know, don't you? You know there's more to this life than what you've seen so far. You know, even hardened atheists, I think, sense this. We all feel like it's got to be more than just like 80 years of this. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And there's always just this whisper. We all feel it. We all sense it. There's got to be something more. This actually happened to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, five-time Super Bowl winning quarterback for the New England Patriots. He's just one of those guys, if you look at his life, all of us would say he has just had it all. I mean, here's a little bit of his stat sheet. Five Super Bowl rings. He's MVP in four of those. He's now, because of last, the last Super Bowl earlier this year, he's now universally considered the greatest quarterback ever. He's married to a supermodel. I mean, together, he and Giselle are worth eh, somewhere around half a billion dollars. They, they own multiple multi-million dollar homes on both coasts. And oh, by the way, he's actually pretty good looking. I, I don't quite see it myself, but 
Some people tell me he is. And so they put him on magazines. He's been on the cover of Esquire, Details, GQ. He's the friend of presidents. He's had an audience with the Pope. He even got to host Saturday Night Live. Tom Brady, women want to be with him. Men want to be him. You know, he's just that guy. And so everybody looks at a guy like Tom Brady and says, you've got it made. I mean, the world really does revolve around you. You have it all. What else could you want? And then a few years ago, he has an interview on 60 Minutes. And in the middle of that interview, he says something incredibly surprising. And when you hear it, it almost knocks you down. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it's all about. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I think, God, it's got to be more than this. That's Tom Brady. And for all his accomplishments, all his possessions, all his fame, he still hears the whisper, there's got to be something more. Have you heard it? Easter tells you, you can know the earth mover. That's the first aftershock. Let me tell you about a second. The second benefit of God shaking up your life, rocking your world is this. God changes the landscape of your life. Now that 9.5 9.5 chili earthquake was so powerful. Listen to this. It, it moved the entire city of Concepcion 10 feet to the west. An entire city. And, and then listen to this. Seismologists estimate that the earthquake was so powerful that it may have shortened the length of the day by 1.26 microseconds and actually moved the earth's figure axis by 8 centimeters. Now, I don't even know what that means. But that's awesome right there. <laughs> See, in an earthquake, the world rocks and everything changes. Mountains rise, valleys drop, streams and rivers get redirected. That's what happens in earthquakes, but that is also what happens when you receive the world-rocking resurrection power of Jesus into your life. When God removes the tension from our lives by forgiving our sin, he begins this process of change. It starts on the inside, and it works its way out, and it makes us into the kind of people that he wants us to be. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants a full life, or some translations call it an abundant life for you. That's what he wants for us. I have a question. This is a raise your hand question. We raise our hands around here at Southwind sometimes. Here's a simple question. Do you have any regrets in your life? Anything at all? Any regrets? Thank you. Anybody sitting next to their regret? No, no, don't raise your hand about that one. Sorry. Everybody has things that we wish we could change, right? Lots of us have habits, hang-ups. We have addictions. A lot of us have defeats and disappointments in our lives. There, there are things we've done in our past, and we can't seem to get rid of them. There's this, there's this, this haunting that's there, and sometimes, sometimes we look around and It all feels pretty hopeless, right? We feel like nothing can change. So here's what I want you to know. 
sitting in this room, maybe this is your first time here and you don't know this, okay, but sitting in this room right now, all around you, all around you are people whose lives have been turned upside down, inside out, all the way around by Jesus Christ. There are people on your row, I don't care what row you're sitting on, they're on your row and they could tell you if you ask them how God has radically reshaped the landscape of their lives. They think differently today than they used to think. They see the world differently than they used to. They have hope they didn't used to have. They have love they didn't used to have. Jesus Christ has changed everything. All you need to do is ask them. They'll tell you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, my life needs to change. I want to be a different person. Well, I'm going to tell you, you cannot change yourself. Only God can change you from the inside out. And that's what he wants to do. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. See, when you give your life to Christ, we talked about again last week, when you give your life to Christ, he forgives your sin and he gives you his life in exchange. He gives you his resurrection life. He makes you, Paul says, into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that's really what we are about here at Southlands, helping people meet the earth-shaking, world-rocking Savior, Jesus the Christ, who changes our lives. See, everything we, we do, it's aimed at helping people connect with God so that God can change who we are. In fact, next week, we're, we're launching a new series of messages called Finding Financial Freedom, and we're doing this because God actually cares about every area of our lives, even our money, even our finances, and he wants us to know true freedom in every area of our lives, even in our money, and so we're going to study God's word and learn what it has to say about that. I hope you will choose to be here every week because God wants to change our lives. Here's the third final benefit I want to mention. I'm going to put it this way. Uh, you can look forward to the big one. You can look forward to the big one. That, that's the name that, that we have kind of given uh, the mysterious earthquake that uh, scientists are, are fairly certain is going to hit California one day. Some people say maybe in the next 30 years. Now, I just want to encourage you, it probably wouldn't be a good idea tonight before you go to bed to get on the internet and, and type in the big one in California. <laughs> Because you don't want to read about that stuff. You'll have a hard time sleeping tonight, okay? There's just lots of dire predictions about that. But here's what I want to say. If you are a Christ follower, if Easter has removed the tension between you and God, then you can actually look forward to the ultimate earthquake. I'm talking about what we read in the book of Revelation in this book, John has a vision. He has this vision of Jesus returning to earth. And listen to these words John writes. This is Revelation 16, 18. It says, Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. Now, John is saying one day Jesus will return to earth. And when he comes, that Easter earthquake in Jerusalem child's play. Everything will be turned upside down. Jesus Christ is coming again one day, and when he comes, he will shake heaven and earth. 
And we are told in the Bible that the people who know Jesus, who follow Jesus, the people who live with Jesus as Savior and Lord, who, who call Jesus their friend, the people who aren't pushing against or pulling away from Jesus anymore, those people Jesus will come and he will take to be with him forever. And then on that day, everything will be completely changed. If you know Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of that. You can actually look forward to it. And this is what the Apostle Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I've experienced many physical earthquakes in my life. Most of us who live in California have. And to be honest with you, I'm not really interested in being around when the big one hits. But I look forward with great hope to the day when the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, comes back. And when he comes back, when he returns to this earth, he's going to take me home. And he's going to take all who know him home to be with him forever. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? See, has Jesus rocked your world? Has, has Jesus encountered your life? You, you've met him. You, you now know him. Has he forgiven your sin, wiped your past clean, given you this new resurrection life? If it hasn't happened yet, I want to tell you today, I'm here to tell you today, it can still happen. And it can happen now. It can happen today. All you need to do is ask. I want to show you a surprising example of the way Jesus Christ is still changing lives today. I'm going to close with this. Uh, not, not too long ago, I came across an interview that was first recorded on the Irish television network with Bono, U2's lead singer. It was a long interview, over an hour, but I want to just show you about a minute and a half uh, clip. I want you to listen to what Bono says in answer to a very bold question. Watch this. What or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ, and... And I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think... therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm no problem with miracles. <laughs> Living around them. I am one. So 
So when you pray, then you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. Isn't that awesome? Here's my question. I want to close with it. My question to you. If some Irish TV reporter asked you that question, what would be your answer? Yes, I do. If you haven't answered that question already, I hope that today you will let Jesus rock your world. He'll answer your prayer. He'll change your life. You will never be the same again. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? As your heads are bowed, I want to say a couple things to you because I know that we are here in different places and and maybe you are here and you are ready to give your life to the risen Jesus today. And I just want to tell you again, all you need to do is pray. Just say something like, Father God, I... I turn from my sin and I repent and, and I trust in Jesus' death and resurrection to give me new life. Just tell him that. Just say, I believe. There may be some others of you today, and for you, it would be more like, Father God, I've been away a long time. I do believe in you, but I've not been walking with you, and so I'm coming home today. And if that's you, you can pray. And tell God that. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you still have some questions. And if that's you, maybe you can pray something like this. God, I don't know what I believe, but I'm interested. I have questions. And God, I'm willing to follow up on those questions. I, I will we'll talk to a friend, uh, maybe to a pastor. God, I will read a book. And so, God, if you're real, would you help me to see? Would you help me to understand? Just tell him. Maybe you're kind of like Peter in that open, opening video clip where you sort of hesitate at the empty tomb. If that's you, let me encourage you. Just walk in. Just investigate. You may not have all your questions answered. I mean, I still have questions. But I can assure you the investigation will be worth the effort. In fact, I think, I think it'll change your life. So, Heavenly Father, as many, many in this room are praying right now, I pray especially for those who will trust you today. Lord, open their hearts and open their minds. And God, please forgive their sins. Just rock their worlds with Jesus, resurrection life. And and then, God, give them the courage to tell someone what you've done. And God, for anyone who's not sure that they're interested, would you reveal yourself to them? God, would you help them to see your beauty and your love? And God, would you give them the courage to follow truth, whatever the cost, wherever it leads. Father, we thank you today for Jesus, for his his life where he revealed you to us so perfectly, for his death on the cross that paid for our sins. And Lord, especially today, we, we thank you for his resurrection life that has rocked our world. And we pray, Father, all these things now in the name of the risen Jesus, in the name of our Savior and our Lord and all God's people together say, Amen.